Welcome to the Counselors of Real Estate Thought Leaders podcast series. In these episodes, you'll hear candid and compelling perspectives from subject matter experts who not only represent diverse and novel thinking, but question prevailing thinking. I'm your host, Jonathan Shine, CRE, and CEO and Executive Director of the Real Estate Limited Partner Institute in New York. The Counselors of Real Estate are accomplished leaders and trusted advisors, finding solutions to complex real estate challenges, experienced innovative and credentialed problem solvers. Counselors counselors practice in 21 countries and offer expertise in more than 60 real estate disciplines across all asset types and classes. Each has earned the prestigious CRE designation. Our guest for this episode is Kirsten McGregor, CRE, principal of Sagax Associates, an economic recovery and development consulting firm in Wilmington, Delaware. Kirsten has held prominent roles as senior policy advisor on President Obama's Hurricane Sandy Rebuilding Task Force, deputy director of the Delaware Economic Development Office, and lead economic recovery coordinator for New Jersey following Hurricane Sandy. She is currently providing long-term comprehensive recovery services for the U.S. Virgin Islands following Hurricanes Irma and Maria. Welcome, Kirsten. Well, thank you for having me. And I'm so excited to be a new member of CRE and everybody's been so welcoming. So thank you. Wonderful. So broadly speaking, what does an economic recovery and resilience consultant do? Well, a lot of people are saying they do this now because of the pandemic. So it certainly is something um, I, I, I do now with the pandemic. But um, typically, uh, it's, a, it's a focused type of economic development consulting. Um, where you focus on major disruptions. So those disruptions are hurricanes, you know, natural disasters. Um, But more more often, they were becoming things that were related to climate change. So heat, drought, fires, other types of natural disasters. And then we started seeing things like sea level rise impacting the work that we do. Um, So we come in and see there's different sectors and I'm usually the lead for the economic sector. There's infrastructure, housing, community development. I run the economic and we look at the um, economic industry diversification, the land use and how that works for for real estate, um, especially commercial real estate, but how does that balance out with the housing? And of course, any sort of disruption from a disaster. But with the pandemic, you know, that hit, places that were tourism um, based. So so every disaster is different. And even if it's an international pandemic, it impacted places differently for different reasons. So that's a high level, high high level what I do. There's obviously a lot more to it. (laughs) So, so, you know, you are a new counselor. And for those of us in the counselor uh, world and outside of the counselor world, um, what brought you to economic recovery and resist, resilience consultancy? How did you get here? Um, well, I was focused. I went to Penn for, I have to drop that, right? I went to Penn for grad school for economic development and we studied real estate development back then. They had a program um, with Wharton or, where we had um, the real estate classes you took there and you took the city planning classes in the graduate school design. Um, so I was an economic development consultant for most of my career. I had a few stints um, with uh, government but the one stint I had was with the U.S. Department of Commerce, and um, they did the first, and this happens a lot for, you'll hear about this, or you'll notice it now that I've said it, um, the federal agencies have a rollout called the National Disaster Recovery Framework, NDRF, 
and the U.S. Department of Commerce leads the economic recovery. So I told you about the different sectors. They're all led by different federal agencies. So I led the Sandy, Hurricane Sandy. And then I was um, appointed to Obama's Hurricane Sandy Task Force to look at business impacts and be able to come up with policies for future disruptions. So that was my big entry and um, focus. But the thing is, is disruptions don't have to be natural disasters. They, t- they typically are, I will admit, the ones I work on, but they can be a sudden and severe loss of jobs. They can be, um, unfortunately, a terrorist attack or um, some sort of um, disrupt with coal communities now. That's the big thing is coal communities trying to transition them to other, other lines of work. Got it. Well, thank you for that, because uh, I had no idea, and I'm sure many others didn't as well. So from a macro perspective, commercial real estate has had its share of disruptions over the year, just as you spoke about. Tell us about your uh, your um, SAGAX resilience mindset and the role it plays from, from, from a micro perspective in a community's economic recovery. Uh, that's a good question. And obviously, I came up with this some, with some marketing people to try and make myself stand out with um you know, my, how the way I approach, and I'm not the only one who looks at it this way, but um, the, I have a graphic so you can go to the, my website um, or we can make it available. But uh, typically there's this disruption, right? And um, the the period res- that people think about most is that response phase. Response is different than recovery. Response is like when you go to the emergency room for whatever reason, and they, they have those life-saving efforts. But when you're stable and need to go to a specialist for a long time to to figure out the the underlying issues and then the pre-existing vulnerabilities that come to light because of whatever um, injury you you sustain. That's what the economic recovery and resilience people do. So the resilience mindset is something that I think people are just starting to pick up on here is that um, resilience is not something that you have it's something that you do. So leaders, whether they're corporate, real estate, um, uh, government, make decisions with and priorities based on uh, the opportunities and assets that they have available to them. And resilience, it's not if you get that generator or if you, you know, if you build that sea level wall, it's trying to figure out balancing out all the different moving parts and including all the different sectors I told you about, how they're all interconnected, education, workforce, housing, infrastructure, utilities, all of them impact one another. So it's having that mindset that you have to keep looking at the bigger picture and make decisions and be able to pivot on an ongoing basis. But also the the issue of equity comes in because we've seen this with any disaster, and it just became noticeable to most people the past couple of years with the pandemic, that the most vulnerable communities become that much more um, separated. So that that's what that curve, um, it's a shame, it's a, it's a hard graphic to explain um, yeah. on a podcast, but, um, but that's where we came up with that. And I think a good example of that is the work I'm doing in the Virgin Islands. I, I stopped my contract working with the US Department of Commerce down there. But I was um, snagged by the University of Virgin Islands Research Tech Park, and they are working on a mixed use, uh, big mixed use uh, community. It's in an opportunity zone. They have HUD community developed block grants. They have private equity, HUD 108 money because it's mixed use. But they're also they're doing renewable energy. So we're looking at different funding sources, not just from philanthropic for local share and match, but also 
um, the U.S. Department of Commerce Economic Development Administration, the Department of Energy. And because of the territory, people, um, if they're interested in working in islands, I do a lot of island work, even though I'm not an islander. Um, but the insular affairs in the Department of Interior has programs for the territory islands. So, um, so there's different funding sources, and it's, and it's trying to figure out all those moving parts to leverage as much money as possible because there's so much money out there. We haven't even, this is, I'm talking ERPA, um, the American Rescue Plan, but the, the uh, Infrastructure and Jobs Act will be pending over the next year here. We'll be re receiving funding opportunities um, and where those are all going to go out. So there's a lot of exciting things um, coming out. And it's just being able to make sure that you're maximizing and building that your local capacity to take advantage of all these resources. Otherwise, you fall behind the, the communities that are sophisticated and able to take care and work with their and that, that those public-private partnerships to take advantage of everything that's out there right now. And, and finally, just to kind of back in that question, in terms of the, the private side, do you also work with the private interests to help get, get them excited about the economic development and the opportunities available? Yeah, and and uh, this if there's a silver lining, I, I keep looking at the silver linings, otherwise we just cry, right? Um, is that my job before this was very hard to get private sector involved. And, and when we did, it was usually because they got devastated by a hurricane or a fire and just completely obliterated. You never see this. And I'm a small, small business owner. I don't have time to go to meetings. But now people are seeing they need to have a seat at the table, at least take turns with their colleagues and make sure that their voice is being heard with government. Um, and that their government, their state, local governments are going after that federal money to advocate for them. Maybe it doesn't go directly to the to the private sector, but it benefits them. And I'm I am sitting right now. I have another client. It's in the Virgin Islands, and and, and they're working with some other islands that are not American. But it's it's private yacht companies and vessels, and what they're in charter companies, and they're looking at trying to move the blue economy forward from a private sector perspective. So with, with land use, of course, that involves marinas, um, docks, and all, all these different blue come will go into it, but that's just one aspect of where the private sector is now seeing that they wanna drive this forward and then tell the government, you know, please try not getting our way, I'm being nice, but also it, is there a way that you can support us with that, you know, $2 zillion grant that's come down the pike, so. All right. Well, thank you, Kirsten, for enlightening us on the economic recovery and resilience process. And of course, the funding that's necessary for success in any community. I'm Jonathan Shine. On behalf of the Counselors of Real Estate, thank you for joining us for this episode of CRE Thought Leaders podcast. Thank you.